Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. On the 2nd of July, 1982, a pilot flying a 727 into Los Angeles airport reported an unidentified flying object. He said, it looks like a man sitting in a chair up there. He actually was right. It was true. Larry Walters was a 32-year-old truck driver. He wanted to be in the Air Force, and uh, he couldn't get in. And so he had this desire to fly. And and, uh, he thought he would like to just be able to sort of fly just over his neighborhood to see it a little bit more easily, just just maybe 30 meters in the air sort of thing. So he had this idea, so he and his girlfriend, they went and they bought 45 weather balloons, not party balloons, weather balloons, and they tied them together, and then they tied them to a lawn chair, and they tied the lawn chair to his truck, and then he got into the lawn chair, and he tied himself in, and he had with him a BB gun, so he could shoot the balloons, and he had a a six-pack of beer, and a peanut butter sandwich. And his girlfriend let him go. Well, instead of just going and floating at 30 meters, he shot up into the air. I mean, 45 weather balloons, people. He shot up into the air. He shot a couple of balloons, and then he dropped his gun. So he opened the six-pack. At about 2,000 feet, he blanked out. He ended up at 16,000 feet, and the, the, the air currents blew him into the L.A. air traffic zone. He eventually got down. They fined him $1,500 for being in the air traffic zone. But the reporters by now, you know, everyone knew what was going on. The reporters were there when he came down, and they said, why did you do it? And he said these words. He said, well, you just can't sit around. <laughs> yeah. There's other things to do if you just can't sit around them flying up into the air with balloons. But it speaks to us of something, I think, in every human heart because it's been created there by God that says, I I have a purpose in life. There's something I'm meant to do in life. As a generalization, I think that something is, is somewhat unique for each of us. It's not like we're all on the planet for the same thing, and yet there is something that we're all on the planet for. And it was said this way at the very beginning of human existence when God created Adam and Eve, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That's being built in the human heart, be fruitful and multiply. And it speaks to more than just having children, though having children is fantastic, especially if they're children like Enzo, my goodness me, how did you ever have a little boy that was so perfect up here on stage? it's, I, I suspect it's drugs, you know. Any parents? Any parents? It's been so long since we did it. But what was that sort of like a neurofin thing you gave your kids that quietened them down? I reckon that was just brilliant. And I, I don't know. He was fan. As was your, as was your daughter's brilliant, absolutely amazing. Back to the real story. Um, be fruitful and multiply. This purpose built into our hearts. And then Jesus came. Of course, by then, they ascended into the human race, and there was all, 
created a lot of mess. But Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And he died and he rose again. And then he said those famous words to his disciples. This is his last words before he says, I'm leaving. As Noah was saying before, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Spirit. He said, these were the... So, you know, last words matter, aren't they? You think if, if, if Jesus is going to say his last words before he ascends to heaven, this is important, and this is what the last words are, and it's recorded in, in Matthew 28. And perhaps you know them well already, but he's, these are the words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a command in this passage. And if we were to understand the Greek language in which it was originally written, we could see that quite clearly because the tenses in the Greek language tell you things. And there is a, a word, uh, a Greek word, with a command tense, the imperative tense that uh, in that passage that has been translated, and it's the words, make disciples. Not the word go, which sounds like a command, but we'll come to that in a moment. Make disciples is, the, is in the imperative tense. The imperative, in other words, this is, this is something that really matters. This is something really important. He said to his disciples, go and make disciples. Well, first of all, you need to ask the question, what is one? What is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a follower, like a student. In those days, a rabbi was the teacher, and a rabbi would invite some people to come and follow him uh, and, and be his disciples. Uh, this was more than just an intellectual learning. It was that, but it was more than that. It was, it was actually they would often live with their rabbi so that they could learn all about how this guy would, would speak and, and, and talk and interact with people and so on, how he would behave, and, and, they, and so they could imitate their rabbi. And so disciples of Jesus are those have said, I, I, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, and, and, and I want to be your follower, your disciple. Yeah, when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't talking about liking him on Instagram. He was talking about imitating his whole life. And so many of you here, I'm sure, have made that decision to be a disciple, a follower, an imitator of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there. He said, now, as my disciples make disciples. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a real challenge for us. How, how are we meant to do that? Well, fortunately, there are three keys in this passage, because there are three words, and they are participles. In other words, they are the words that tell you how to go about the imperative, the command to make disciples. And the first of those is the word go, which sounds like a command when it's translated this way, um, but actually, as a participle, it probably should have been translated as going, because it's a, it's, a, it's a verb, going. Or as some translations actually translate it, as you go. As you go, make disciples. In other words, this isn't some, some sense of which I'm meant to go some special place, and although at times maybe God asks you to go a special place, and that could be true, but it's as you go about your life. Make disciples. 
The process of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is actually a journey. It's a process. It's not an event. For some people, it may be so, so brief that it looks like an event. And for some people, it takes years. Maybe you've grown up in a, in, a, in a home of faith. And so for you, even then, it was a journey. Um, it was a very natural sort of journey. You just grew up and you learned from your parents or from children's church or Sunday school about Jesus and, and you accepted him. But there was still a day when you went, actually, this is for me. For other people, they come to faith as an adult. My wife was 27 years of age, teaching at Broadbeach State School. And one day, something within her said, you need to go to a church. And she didn't know what to do. So she went to the nearest church, and, and there she heard about Jesus. And so there was a, still a process, a journey. A theologian back in the 70s by the name of Engels, he... Um, he recognized this journey, and he, he decided, although it's unique for every one of us, perhaps, perhaps there was like some typical steps on the journey. And he created what is called the Engel Scale. And uh, as I say, it, it, it's not exactly the same for everybody. But he created this scale, and you may be able to see that on the screen, um, where he, he, he said, well, somewhere people start down, he, he said, he's, he called it a negative eight. Um, where maybe it's the first time you have some, some thought that there is a supreme being. And, and then you maybe start to go in some understanding of who that supreme being might be. You maybe come to a church or somehow you talk to somebody and eventually you move progressively towards this place where one day you say, Jesus, I actually do believe you are the Son of God. I need you in my life. Come and be my Savior. Stepping into that place of faith. Engels actually said that uh, perhaps there's even a negative nine and negative ten. They would be people who, who actually are, are somehow negative towards the things of God, perhaps because of a bad experience or something. And, and, uh, so, but here's the beautiful thought that comes from what Engels, Engels' work, which is this, that, that we can each be a part of somebody's journey. Some days it's just moving somebody one step. One step. As you go, make disciples. Just as uh, we've been listening to the wonderful worship this morning, I, I hadn't heard that new song before, but a song about the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you as you go about your life. Uh, the very story that, that Noah was telling us at Enzo's um, dedication about Simeon, as Simeon was this old man, and the Scriptures say that God had shown him he was going to see the Messiah before he died. Uh, and Jesus uh, is brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph. And there's this wonderful phrase in Scripture where it says this. It says that, that Simeon was moved by the Spirit to go into the temple. At this very moment, this was the time he needed to be there. It, and it, it wasn't like this was a sa the Sabbath. They, this is on a certain day after the child was born that this happened. Well, so it wasn't like he would normally be there, but he was moved by the Spirit to go to a particular place at a particular time. And this is that situation we can have where we're going about our life and suddenly you get that sense from the Spirit, go there, be there. It's like there's an alert. Say this to this person. Just something is, you are moved by the Spirit of God. As the people of God filled with the Spirit, we should have an expectation that God is in us and speaking to us guiding us and leading us. And we have this thrill of helping people move. Maybe it's just from here to one step closer to knowing who he is and knowing about him. 
some days we have that wonderful opportunity, perhaps, of leading somebody right to know and, and uh, to know Jesus. But on the journey, we get to take people just perhaps one step at a time. I remember uh, when I was a young teacher, and uh, I was, it was science class Monday morning, uh, and then it was morning tea. And, you know, morning tea for teachers, any teachers? Morning tea matters, doesn't it? Because morning tea is when you get the caffeine you need to get through the rest of the day. I mean, there's nothing much more important than morning tea. You've got to get to the staff room and get your coffee. But back in those days, like we hadn't even heard of flat whites. They just had the coffee in the staff room. It was Pablo coffee. Does anybody remember? Yeah, they should have had like a poison warning on Pablo containers, I reckon. Like Pablo was... Nescafe, Nescafe back then was amazing compared to Pablo. I was convinced they went to the Nescafe factory, the, the people cleaning it at night, swept up the stuff on the floor, put it into bags and sold it as Pablo. But there's enough caffeine in there just to keep you going. You've got to get to the staff room. And so I finished my lesson and I'm about to bolt to the staff room and get my caffeine and there's two girls just loitering around. And it's like the spirit goes, wait, stop. One of them started to share this most horrible story about some things that happened on the weekend. And as much as I could in, in, a, in a state school situation there, I just was able to be a listening ear and a help. Just a step. A, a, an, Sometimes just a, a smile, it's a kindness, it's a word. It's, it's something that perhaps moves somebody towards this Lord that you serve. The second how is baptizing. And it's going to be tonight, there's a wonderful time when we as believers follow the practice of Je uh, the, uh, the story of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River. It's where you find some water somewhere, doesn't matter really where. And uh, somebody says, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and I want to make a public dec declaration of that. They, they are put down into the water, and they're brought up, and the water is like a symbol of a grave. So this is like a symbol of, of a dying to the person I used to be and now rising into the life that I now live in Christ, filled with the Spirit of God. It's a wonderful occasion. Well, we're not all going to get to baptize people around about us. Well, when I was a kid, a, a movie came out. And when I was a kid, it's a long time ago, when they had those kinds of like movies, those grand old um, you know, Hollywood movies about, about the Bible with Charlton Heston sort of movies, you know? Anyone, you're looking way too young to understand what I'm talking about. Most of you, Russ Harmon will understand. But <laughs> so Russ is looking good, isn't he? Like amazing. And uh, there was a movie came out called The Greatest Story Ever Told. Frankly, it was like just a horrible depiction of Scripture. Um, but it had the John the Baptist baptizing the Jordan River, and all these soldiers came to arrest him. And as they came into the water to arrest him, he was pushing them all under to baptize them, you know. Well, I, it, it, it doesn't work like that, people. You can't force people to baptism. Uh, and most of us aren't going to be doing that. But we can still be a part of this, this moving people from death to life. Because all around about us all the time we'll be people experiencing some form of death. Be that the death of a loved one, the death of a career, the death of a, of a dream, 
there's all different ways that people experience something hard in life. And the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that that life follows death. Rather, nothing follows death, or simply death follows death, but life follows death. Jesus rose from the dead. We will rise with him after this life, but even in the meantime, he comes to give life, resurrection life. I read in the paper yesterday about how Australia used to be seen by people overseas as, as the lucky country, the country of, of hope and, and, uh, and, and energy and excitement and, uh, and, and people who went into New York pubs with long knives. And now it's no longer true. And it's no longer true because, sadly, it seems to no longer be true of us. And we're no longer seen as a country of people of hope and joy and let's do it, the can-do spirit. Wow, the Anzac spirit. And perhaps you see that around about you and perhaps sometimes we can even start to see that in our own lives. But, you know, because of Christ, we are people with hope. We have hope on the other side of the grave, but we hope, have hope on this side of the grave because we get to be those people living full of the Spirit of God, these lives of adventure in God, empowered by Him, and so we get to be those who can minister that grace, that life, that hope to those around about us. I, in my work life, I worked for an organization called Alpha. Anyone heard of Alpha? So we have Alpha. It happens here at, at uh, King's as well. So Al Alpha is a, is a, takes about an eight-week process um, of people come together um, for a meal, and then a video to watch, and then a chat about what they've just seen. And each week, it's like that Engels thing. It's like each week is, is designed to be part of a journey that can help somebody journey towards faith. And the, uh, so the first week, the, the, it's all built around a question. And the first week, the question is, what's the meaning of life? And the next week is, who is Jesus? The one after that is, why did he have to die? And so it takes somebody through that, that journey. And then the conversations are absolutely genuine, open. You can ask anything. Nothing's off the table conversations. No preaching at people. No pushing anything down somebody's throat. But we just journey with people and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And many times people come to faith. And uh, it's starting here again soon. Now we're in a... You want you you know somebody who, who could come or to something like that? Then please advise, invite them. Or if you want to help with Alpha, talk to Noah. But uh, about two three weeks ago, I met Cherie. Cherie told me about her life that had been, frankly, I think she may have even used this word these words a train wreck, just um, just a terrible, horrible, sad story. And a broken marriage, two children now living, now being mothered by the new partner of her, her uh, former husband. Um, she ends up in a lot of trouble in life, ends up dealing drugs, ends up in the South Queensland, well, ends, ends up um, in prison for five years, 12 different prisons, but finally ends up in the South Queensland Correctional Centre. And there they ran, somebody was running Alpha. And uh, she, she, she did it. And through, through Alpha, no church background, never been to a church. But through Alpha, she went on that journey and she eventually found Jesus. 
Um, I, I, and she came out last year. I, I don't know what she was like beforehand. I, I didn't meet her beforehand, so I don't know what she looked like. But I can tell you, the person talking to me that day, the eyes were alive. The spirit was alive. There was something radiant about her. And she was telling me how she's been working already with a, a builder. She has a vision to open a house so that the women at the correctional center who do Alpha, instead of coming out of prison and going off and back, you know, it's when they get back into their old environment that they will end up repeating the same problems and ending up back in jail, recidivism it's called. So uh, she wants to have this house where they can come into that place uh, where they have a community that encourages and supports their faith and establishes them in life and how to do life. And I thought, man, this is what she had purpose. She had a goal. She had, she had life. She was oozing life because somebody gave her the opportunity to experience the resurrection life of Jesus. Wow. The third one, and finally, is the word teach. Teaching. Teaching them to obey. Again, not easy, and we haven't got time to talk a lot about that except to say this, and it's a pretty obvious thing, that the best way to teach anybody anything is to set an example. And I think we all know it. To set an example. You know, the honest truth, we are flawed as Christians. We're not perfect. And yet we must never let that be an excuse. The Apostle Paul writes in most of his epistles something like this. He says, endeavor to live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus. Again, back to that beautiful song. It's about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, this should be our prayer every day. Holy Spirit, fill me today and empower me to represent Jesus well. Empower me to set an example of the life of Christ. Empower me so when people look at me, they say, they, they wouldn't use this language. What's the resurrection life in you? But that's the experience they're getting. And maybe there's an opportunity in some way to lead them towards Christ. Make disciples of Jesus. I want to encourage you, maybe you're already doing something like this, but we're, we're heading, we're just about to get to Easter. Easter is the, is the best time of year to invite somebody to come to church. And then after Easter, there's Alpha, there's another great opportunity. I want to encourage you to have a piece of paper at home or a card, piece of card or something, and on that to write maybe five names of people that you are going to start praying for, preferably on a daily basis. And your prayer would be, Lord, help me in some way to lead these people closer to you. Give me some opportunity someday. Maybe ultimately it is an opportunity to invite them to something. You know, the, with the statistics, we've done some research at Alpha, and the, and the fact is that there are more Aussies than you would think ready for a spiritual conversation. There are more Aussies than you maybe, maybe think uh, are willing to be prayed for. Whereas sometimes they may not yet accept the invitation to come to church, but they will often accept an invitation to be prayed for. You talk to somebody and they share something about, or they, you know, we use the word share as Christians, whatever they use. I'm chatting to you about my problem. And you may some days want to say, would you let me pray about that? Could I pray for you? 
Now, you, you, most of the time, if the, and most, most Aussie will actually say yes. Now, most of the time, they think that means you're going to go off to your cathedral and light a candle or something, whatever they think that is. They don't think that's right now, here and now, but that's cool. You know, you, what you could say is, well, do you, do you mind if I just maybe even put my hand on your shoulder or whatever you want to do? And sometimes I'll go, whoa, no, no, no. Well, that's cool. Leave them alone. Don't push anything. But often they'll say yes. And you just get to pray a, a, a brief prayer without religious language in a normal voice. All right? It's not, oh, omnipotent, almighty. Just God's listening. Just normal. Be normal. But expect God to work. And it's amazing how that can open up other doors. Moving people towards Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.